Hello and welcome back to Friendship and Fluency Learning English with Andy and Stephanie. This is our third episode of this podcast, and we have some great content for you today. We'll be talking about one aspect of American body language. We'll be talking about a very common mistake that students of the English language make. We'll cover some common phrasal verbs. And of course, we'll finish our episode by talking about one of our own funny language learning mistakes. So let's get started. So we're going to begin today by talking about body language. Even though this is a podcast about language learning, which usually focuses on a spoken language, it's very important to also talk about body language for language learners because as much as 75% of communication between two humans is not actually the words that come out of your mouth, hmm. but it's what your body is doing. Yeah. What do you mean by that? So this is a great example. <laughs> so Stephanie just crossed her arms, said, what, what do you mean by that? And that action communicates in our culture a little bit of, little bit of doubt. A little bit of defensiveness. Defensiveness. Well. What does it mean in American culture, in the culture of American English, to cross your arms? Because this is different than what it means in some other cultures. For example, in Kurdish culture, I learned when I was a teacher there that it was very respectful for Kurdish students to be in class with their arms crossed. This communicated respect to your teacher. And this was so interesting because in our culture, this does not communicate respect. Mm. It has two meanings, a negative meaning and a positive meaning, or we could say two different kinds of meanings. Mm -hmm. So we were talking earlier about some of the the negative meanings connected to crossing your arms. So if somebody crosses their arms when they're talking to you and, and they sort of do this with their body, what does that communicate to you? What does that posture mean? Yeah, it's usually whether the person who's listening means to communicate this or not, there's usually a sense of defensiveness. Um, maybe that person is a little bit on edge or feeling uncertain of themselves in that context. They could be disagreeing with what's being said. And so even if they're unaware of what they're doing, their their body is kind of retreating back into this position of, hmm, not sure I agree, or hmm, I'm I'm ready to fight with you a little bit about that. It can also mean I am not listening what you are saying. It can communicate, I'm going to ignore what you are saying. I don't really care about what you are saying. So I'm not listening. I don't think what you have to say is important. Or I'm feeling defensive mm -hmm. and like I disagree with what you are saying. Those are some of the negative meanings. On the positive side, people sometimes do this simply because it's comfortable. Yeah. We might not know what else to do with our arms. So if you, you're in a, a long conversation and your, your arms are just down at your side, you might do this just to give your shoulders a rest. So it's not uncommon to see two people, maybe friends, standing mm -hmm. next to each other with their arms crossed. And in that situation, it doesn't mean 
they disagree. It doesn't mean they're defensive or they don't care. It simply means they're comfortable. They're comfortable with each other and they're in a casual setting with their friends. Now, in both of these situations, the positive and the negative situation, neither one communicates respect. The one communicates an informal comfort, which is good. If you're with a close friend, that's fine. There's no problem with that. You're communicating, I'm comfortable. The other situation, you're communicating not respect, but I'm feeling defensive or I don't agree or I don't care about what you're saying. So it's important to know this is not a respectful posture in the culture of American English. Mm-hmm. So that's very important because that's the opposite of what it communicates in Kurdish culture, which if this is respectful if your teacher is talking to you to do this. But body language is so different from one culture to another culture. And so we need to be aware of how it changes from one language to another language. You don't want to be in the situation of thinking, I am communicating respect by doing this. And the person that you're talking to thinks you're actually communicating the opposite. Right. That's why body language is so dangerous and so important. It's interesting, even if our words are saying one thing, studies have shown humans will always believe the body language mm. over the words. For example, if you ask me, how are you today? And I say, I'm fine. I'm fine. Right. Right. You can tell from my body language. Yeah. Or uh, are you upset with me? No. So your words say <laughs> no, right. Right. But I can tell from your body and I believe your body mm-hmm. over your words. So that's why body language is so significant. And that's why it accounts for more than 75% of communication between two people. So that's also why uh, online communication can be so tricky uh, right. uh, or just, you know, phone conversations when you can't read Um, facial cues or body language, you're missing out on a lot of those cues that we normally use to figure out meaning. That that's actually a very good relationship principle or leadership principle. The more sensitive that a conversation is, the more important that a conversation is, the more you want it to be face to face. You want to have that conversation in person so that they can be reading your body language and not just your words. Because It will be so much easier to misunderstand you if all they have is your words. So if you can't do a face-to-face conversation, consider a video call. If you can't do a video call, then do an audio call, because then at least they can hear your voice, the tone of your voice. The very last option should be emailing or texting, because those are the easiest ones to misunderstand. To put in maybe a negative tone, where maybe you had a positive tone with those Mm -hmm. words. Something to be aware of, for sure. The next thing we're going to talk about today is a common mistake Mm -hmm. that students of the English language make. So what is the mistake that we're going to cover today? Yeah, well, the first one that came to mind, don't know that this is the most common, but I've heard a lot of friends who have learned English when they are putting a verb into the past tense, they'll mispronounce that ed at the end. So instead, for example, of saying um, talked, they'll say talked. I talked with my mom yesterday. Mm. 
or uh, give, say givent. And as I was thinking about that mistake, I realized there were two really important things to consider. So one is students of the English language really need to know the difference and just learn the difference between regular and irregular verbs. That's really important because with regular verbs, you have a whole set of rules that you can use when you make a verb into the past tense. And unfortunately, with irregular verbs, when they go into the past tense, they are not the same as they are in present tense. And so for those irregular verbs, you really just have to memorize them. But for the regular verbs, you know, we have some rules for uh, how to make it past tense. So it's always going to get an ed. That ed has three different sounds. It has d, t, and id. And I believe you have a video explaining the pronunciation That's right. uh, of those sounds. That's right. And so you can watch that video to go deeper into why you would make one sound and not the other two sounds at the end of a past tense verb. Mm-hmm. It all comes down to the syllable directly before the ending of the verb. So certain letters, and whether those letters are voiced or not voiced. So the video, I'll link to it, and it goes into more depth about when you should say t versus the d versus Mm -hmm. the id. So walked would be Mm -hmm. t, called would be d, and petted mm-hmm. would be the id. All verbs that you might use with your pet dog, for example. I walked my dog. Mm-hmm. I called my dog. Mm-hmm. I petted my dog. Well, why ta and why da and why it? Mm-hmm. Thankfully, there are some rules all connected to which letters mm-hmm. are directly coming before that ed ending. And that is the verbal aspect of putting it into the past tense. And then there's also rules about how we spell when we put it into the past tense. Mm. So the first rule would be your verb ends in an E, like uh, hope, H-O-P-E. You're actually going to drop that E before you add the E-D. You're not going to have two E's next to each other. So that's rule number one. Mm. If your verb ends in an E, you drop the E before adding the E-D. Uh, Rule number two is if it ends in a consonant and a Y, like in cry, C-R-Y, you're going to change that Y to an I and add E-D, and it becomes cried. Same thing with try, T-R-Y. Drop the the Y, change it to a I, and add E-D. So then rule number three would be that if your verb ends in a short vowel and then a single consonant, like in the example you mentioned, uh, pet, you've got the short E and then the consonant T, you're actually going to double that last letter before adding ed. So you double the T and add ed, petted. And then for all the others, you just add ed. So there are some rules. I believe the best way to learn these is by listening to the English language, by reading to see how it's spelled. It is tricky, but it is worth it. Uh, So you've got that id, the t, and the d sound. Got rules for spelling and rules for pronunciation. And the way that our children learn these different rules is simply by listening to us and by being corrected. So when it comes to irregular vowels, 
our four-year-old still says goad, for example, sometimes. We goad to the store. And we'll say, not goad, it's went. We went to the store. Mm -hmm. And he hears that Mm -hmm. 40 times. And eventually, the rule, the pattern sticks in his brain. And he doesn't make that mistake anymore. And it's interesting. He actually wants to add an ED to make verbs past tense. He wants to so make it he, consistent. Right, because that's yeah. the rule he's picked up on just mm-hmm. through hearing speech in the home. So he might say, "Gived." I'm gived uh, so-and-so a present. And I would say, yeah, I gave so-and-so a present. So I try right. to correct by simply repeating the correct word. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can help, too, to look at a list of irregular verbs and to learn their their past tense as well. There are two main reasons why irregular verbs break from the pattern when it comes to languages. And one of them is just this principle that the more common a verb is, the more likely it is to change and to break from the pattern. So you think about a verb like to go, how often that verb is used every single day. We're using some form of to go whether we're talking about the past, the present, or the future. And the more that you use a verb in a society every day, the more likely it is to become irregular and to break away from those more consistent patterns. That's just the nature of language. Mm. The second reason is loan words. So if a language has borrowed verbs from other languages, if it has had periods of mixing with other languages, like English has. English has so much French, Latin, Mm. Greek, even some Old Norse, some Viking words. These verbs from other languages and the verb patterns come in, and they can also be one reason for irregular verbs. Mm. So there are reasons behind it. It's not random. Feels random. It feels random. That's right. But add the more that you hear these verbs how they're used, uh, the more that your brain will pick up on the pattern. And over Mm -hmm. time, it will feel natural. So speaking of verbs, we want to cover some common phrasal verbs for you. Phrasal verbs are difficult because they take a normal verb and they add something to the end of it, like a preposition, for example. Yeah, or an adverb. Or an adverb. Mm -hmm. And that can completely change the meaning. Mm-hmm. of that verb. So one example that I've used on my YouTube channel before is blow or blow up. Blow just means, right, to blow like this, but to blow up means an explosion. By adding that up onto that verb, you've given it a completely different meaning. So what are some common phrasal verbs that uh, we can help our listeners with today? Yeah, well, I thought it'd be fun to test your knowledge of phrasal verbs. Uh-oh. See if you, off the top of your head, can explain what they mean without using another phrasal verb. Oh. Because phrasal verbs are this okay. special category in English <laughs> that uh, we just, we learn them and we use them and they can seem really informal. And so I think learners of the English language can want to shy away from them because they don't seem as formal as business English, but they're really important in English. They right. they carry a very specific meaning and we use them all the time. 
So when we were preparing for this podcast, I, I sent you a text and I said, I don't know how I'm going to pull off dinner tonight. Mm. So what did I mean by that? Did I mean I was going to put right. it on the table and pull it off? <laughs> okay. So the challenge here is define a phrasal verb yes. with a verb that's not a phrasal verb. Without using another phrasal verb. <laughs> okay, yes. challenge accepted. Right. Let's see. Okay, to pull off means to implement mm-hmm. or to execute. Like execute? To do. To do <laughs> in a very simple. Okay, so would you say I pulled off brushing my teeth? If it's something that you didn't know how to do. Yes. If it's something that it was unlikely that you would Yes. Impl- be able to implement, be able to execute. Yes. Be able to accomplish. Accomplish would be another verb you yeah. could use to describe pull off. But all of those verbs don't have the specific meaning that pull off has of this is unlikely that mm-hmm. I'm going to be able to do this. This is a challenge. Yes. And it's a little bit risky. There's a chance I would fail at this. Yeah, I think that's correct. I would say to pull off means to succeed in doing something difficult. Mm, Um, Yes. Good definition. Yeah. Okay. Good job. How about to break down? To break down. Well, to break down has two different meanings. You're so smart. That I'm aware of. (laughs) Well, I I cheated a little bit here because this was a phrasal verb I used in one of my previous videos. Mm. So. So you'll find the link. So to break down means, on the one hand, on the emotional side, it means to begin crying. For example, when I talk about my pet fish who died, I break down. I feel sad. The tears start to come. But that's what to break down means on the emotional side. To break down on the mechanical side means for some kind of machine to stop working. So you might be driving to another city. All of a sudden, your car's engine starts making all of this concerning noise. (laughs) Smoke starts coming out of the front of your car. And you pull over and your car no longer drives. The car has broken down. There's a third meaning, but you have to modify it a little bit and add an it in there to break it down or Mm -hmm. to break something down. Mm -hmm. And that simply means to take a complex idea and to explain it in a very simple way. Like right now we are trying to break down mm-hmm. these phrasal verbs. Right. In right. a simple way. Okay. What All right. I got two. About to hang up. Oh, to hang up. And there are two meanings. Yes, that's right. There is the more literal meaning, which has a connection with the verb hang. So it means to put something up on a hook. Put something. Okay, that's meaning number three. I actually wasn't oh. thinking of that one because it is that still a phrasal verb? Because it's so literal. If you hang up a sweater, you are hanging up. Yeah, so, because it is different from hang. Okay. A sweater. So to place something in on the wall or on a hook or on a hanger would be mm-hmm. to hang up. Another one is connected to the telephone. Yep. So to end the call mm-hmm. on a telephone. Old telephones used to be on the wall. So to hang up, you would take 
the physical piece of the telephone, and you would put it on the bigger piece of the telephone, you would hang it there. And so we still say hang up, even mm-hmm. though now you're just pushing a button and you're mobile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our kids think we're so old that they'll ask us things like, Mom, Dad, were telephones a thing when you were kids? We are getting old, alas. Okay, I don't know. What's the third meaning? If I said he is hung up on her. Oh, he's stuck. Yeah, to be inseparable, to be unable to be separated from an idea or a person or maybe a situation. Yeah. Right. If I want to tell someone this part of the lesson is pretty confusing, Mm -hmm. and I want to say don't get stuck, this part of the lesson, I would say don't get hung up. Mm-hmm. on this idea. Let's right. move on right. to what's easier. We'll come back to this later. Right. Don't exactly. get hung up. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. That was right. actually a new one for me. We use that form primarily in the past tense. Yes. Hung up. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. All right. What's next? So our last one would be to bring up, not the literal meaning necessarily. Like I can bring up the basket of laundry. Right. From the basement. And I don't think that's a phrasal verb. That's a verb with a... Yes. You're yes. Just a preposition of uh-huh. direction. I'm bringing it up from the basement, just like I would bring it down from the roof. Mm-hmm. So if I bring up the topic of phrasal verbs, what am I doing? You are mentioning it. You right. are mentioning it in a conversation. So we were talking about something, and now we are talking about something because... Mm-hmm. One of us introduced this topic into the conversation. To introduce a topic into the conversation mm-hmm. is another way to say to bring up a topic mm-hmm. in the conversation. Just to summarize, a phrasal verb is basically an idiom. Uh, it's something that can't be taken literally. And it's a group of words that function as a verb that consists of a verb plus a preposition or an adverb, sometimes both. So we talked about... Pulling something off, meaning to succeed in a difficult task. We talked about breaking down to not be able to function anymore or to explain something in uh, smaller parts or in detail. To bring up, meaning to introduce a subject and uh, to hang up, to be ending a phone call or to be inseparable from something or someone. I thought another fun one to mention is Mm. to blow up which you said you did do a video on. Right. But we have the new um, kind of pop culture meaning now of to be very popular online. Oh. Like my video blew up. That's true. Right? That doesn't mean it exploded. That doesn't mean it broke into pieces. It mean it, is, it means it's extremely popular. That's very right. Very quickly, right? And in common usage, to blow up can also mean to be very angry Mm -hmm. and to yell at someone. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you're having a conversation, you say something Mm -hmm. and that causes the person to blow up, Mm -hmm. right? And they start yelling and they Mm -hmm. get so angry and their Mm -hmm. color changes. Right. That's another meaning of to blow up. So it's kind of like exploding in anger. Mm -hmm. Blowing up online is a little bit like exploding in popularity. Mm -hmm. So it's not that there's no connection between an original verb Right. And these phrasal verbs, it's just that the connection may be hard to see mm-hmm. in the beginning because the meaning has definitely changed. It's become practically a new verb, mm-hmm. which is what makes them so challenging. Yeah. So I think students can 
just Google 10, 15, 20 most common phrasal verbs, look at them, look at their their definition, and then listen for them in movies, look for them in books, listen for them in music. They're they're all over the place. Right. Good suggestion. Thank you. So we like to finish each episode of our podcast by telling about a funny language mistake or story from our own experience or from the experience of our friends or a family. We like to do this because one of the most important things that you can learn to do as a language student is to learn to laugh at yourself. And I laughed at myself last time. So now it's my turn to laugh at you. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So one of the most important things to learn is how to laugh at yourself and even to learn to tell these stories because when you tell them, it reinforces that Mm -hmm. lesson that you learned through making that embarrassing mistake. Right. And it gives other people freedom to share their stories too. That's right. All of us are human. All of us say silly things in our own language or in another language. So it's good to be honest about that. So sometimes you make a mistake and you say the complete opposite thing from what you were meaning to say. Mm. We talked about body language earlier, how sometimes you look disrespectful when you're trying to be respectful. Mm. This mistake is very similar to that. Mm. So when I was in university, I spent one year in Kurdistan. I took one year away from my university studies. This is not completely uncommon in America. It's more common in Europe. Take a gap year away from your university. Well, I chose to do this and came to Kurdistan and worked for a relief and development organization. And we taught English. One of our projects was to teach English at the University of Sleimani in the School of Engineering. And there I made a bunch of friends who were from the city of Kalar. Kalar is a city three hours south of Sleimani, and it's a desert city. It's very hot. It's famous in some sense for being hot. It's also famous for uh, its work ethic. People from Kalar are Mm. good workers. Mm. And so I didn't know any of this at the time. I was just going to visit my friends and to meet their families. And so the first trip I go to Kalar. I'm hosted by one of my close friends, by his family, and his mom has made this feast. She's prepared this huge, delicious meal. And I had recently learned the word for, or one of the words for delicious mm-hmm. in Kurdish. Balazet. It's delicious. But I had not yet learned the difference between ba and be in Kurdish. Those prefixes Mm -hmm. that say it's with something or it's without something. I didn't know that part of grammar yet. So the meal is over. We are sitting back and I'm ready to compliment the hostess and to tell her how amazing her food was. So I say something like, The food was very good. And then I'm going to practice my new word for delicious and show off. Everything was without flavor, without (laughs) deliciousness. And I think she was picking up a dish. I remember her stopping and looking at me. (laughs) Like, what did you say, son? Yeah. (laughs) I looked at my friend and he just started laughing. And then his mom started laughing. I said, what did I say? 
And they said, you just said our food is without taste. You said the food, everything tasted horrible. Oh, no. And he said, you have to say ba, not bay. Bay means without. <laughs> and so I'm sure my color turned bright red. And we laughed about it a lot that night. But it was a great chance for me to learn the difference between mm -hmm. this prefix that is with something versus without. Ba right. and bay. Right. I've remembered that ever since. I bet you did. So, <laughs> thanks for sharing that that's story. Right. So, if you are ever being hosted by your friend's mom and you want to compliment the meal, I hope you don't make the same kind of mistake that I did. But if you do, it's okay mm -hmm. because you will remember that mistake and that lesson will stick with you for the rest of your life. So, that's all for today for friendship and fluency, learning English with. Andy and Stephanie, please like, uh, subscribe, share this podcast with your friends, and please suggest in the comment section if there are particular topics mm -hmm. that you would like us to address regarding learning the English language. I personally would love to hear your language learning mistakes if you would like to share them. That's right. That's if we have any brave listeners yep. out there who want to write your mistakes, then write those in the comment section as well. Join in the fun of sharing your mistakes and growing in humility through that and also learning to relax, have more fun with language. Thank you so much for watching or for listening. See you next time. Take care.